Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Elio's Original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into The Aftermath. Today's episode will consist of the entire interview with Dr. Helen Bond, who's the professor and director at the Center for the Study of Christian Origins at the University of Edinburgh. And she has some very interesting things about Jesus Christ as a historical figure and who's to blame for his crucifixion. Stay tuned after because I'll be talking with Chris and Amanda and what she has to say might change our verdict. Thank you so much for uh, speaking to us, Dr. Bond. So we're trying to get down to the bottom of who's to blame for the death of Jesus Christ. Not an easy feat, but here we are. Could you talk to us, talk us through what the political landscape was in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus's death? Well, a really complex situation, actually, because um, Jerusalem at the time was under Roman occupation. It was under direct Roman rule, and it had been under direct Roman rule for about 25 years. So it was still a fairly sort of uneasy um, alliance between the Romans who are in charge and uh, the Jewish aristocracy, the chief priests, who more or less kind of ruled the place on a day-to-day basis. So um, so Pilate actually didn't live in Jerusalem. He lived quite a long way out on, on the coast. But he came to Jerusalem at festival time. So he comes to Jerusalem because it's the Passover. 
um, with a body of troops because he's expecting that there may well be trouble because it's a, it's a politically and sort of religiously, nationally sort of very heightened uh, time. It's, there's loads and loads of people all converging on Jerusalem. They're all drinking too much. It's sort of a, a, a holiday. They're all celebrating liberation from uh, slavery in Egypt. And yet, sort of hugely ironically, you've got the Roman occupation there. You've got Roman troops um, making a big thing of, of uh, the Roman presence wherever they go. So it's politically very volatile. And you've got just so many people in such a small, tiny, uh, walled city that it's just a kind of a powder keg waiting to go off. So Pilate's there with his troops. Um, meanwhile, the chief priests and the sort of uh, priestly aristocracy are trying to maintain law and order on a sort of day-to-day -day basis. But they're also massively busy because of it being the Passover festival. And they're in the temple um, sort of meeting together, uh, uh, killing the Passover lambs, um, the whole kind of mechanism that goes with uh, the Passover festival. So, so it's it's really busy. Loads of people there, and just uh, you know, it very very volatile. It just needs the slightest spark for the whole place to just explode. So, how much of a threat was Jesus's presence to the Romans and to Pilate? Well, I think it was quite a big threat. I mean, people tend to think, oh, well, Jesus was a, a, a pacifist, so you know, why on earth would Rome want to get rid of him? But the thing is, if you go to Jerusalem at Passover, where things are as kind of, um, you know, critical as I've just said, um, then anybody who turns up who's talking about a kingdom, I mean, he's talking about a different kingdom, not the kingdom of Rome, the emperor, but he's talking about the kingdom of God. So this is an alternative kingdom. And worse than that, he's got a following. He's got people, a, a group of men, a group of uh, women as well, a sort of a whole crowd of people who've come down with him from Galilee. He's getting more people in Jerusalem. People are sort of hanging on his every word. And as if that wasn't bad enough, he's ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey. Um, this is a, a, a pilgrimage festival. You know, everybody walks in. When it's a pilgrimage thing, you walk in or you go in on your knees. Um, you don't ride an animal. So Jesus is clearly saying, you know, look at me. I'm somebody here. And then he goes into the into the temple and he causes some disruption there. So, I mean, clearly he is a very dangerous person. And um, I don't think it's at all strange that, that Pilate's keeping an eye on him. So I've read a lot about how uh, Pontius Pilate was a, a ruthless ruler. Um, is there truth to that? And, and can you speak to his particular style of ruling? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's strange because the Gospels give the impression that he's sort of pushed into to crucifying Jesus as if he sort of doesn't really want to do that. But the Gospels have their own reasons for doing that, because they want to put as much blame as possible on, on the Jewish authorities. And when you read other sources, particularly Jewish authorities about, um, Jewish sources rather, about uh, Pilate, they're really, really negative. Um, there's a guy called Josephus, a uh, first century historian, and um, he, was, he was born just a little bit after Pilate, but he would have had good sources. And he says that he was pretty insensitive. He was, um, you know, expected to be boss in his own province. Um, but the worst character assassination comes from um, a guy called Philo, who lived in Alexandria. And he was a direct contemporary of Pilate. 
And he, he gives a great long list of um, atrocities that Pilate uh, got involved with. He says he was cruel, he was greedy, he um, sent people to death without any trial and all kinds of lists of things. And he says he was a spiteful and angry person as well, as if all the rest wasn't bad enough. I mean, again, you have to be a little bit cautious and treat them with a pinch of salt. And, you know, they also have their reasons for being very negative about Pilate. But I'm sure, actually, that the the truth is somewhere in between. And I, I don't think you get to be a prefect of a Roman province if you're not pretty harsh and ruthless. I mean, he would have had some kind of background in the military. He would have been um, an alpha male who knew what he was doing, expected to be boss, Um, probably very little time for the religious sensitivities of the people he's sent to govern. And I doubt he would have paid very much attention to Jesus at all. I mean, he'd have just heard, this is a troublemaker. He's got a, a following. He's doing things in Jerusalem we don't like. Let's get rid of him. Because Pilate's main reason for being in uh, Jerusalem is to maintain law and order. So, I mean, his whole, the whole point of what he's there for is to get rid of people like Jesus. Do, do you believe that Pilate would have hesitated in sentencing Jesus to death as is uh, depicted in the gospel? No, I don't think that's very likely to be true. Um, I mean, of course, the gospel writers are all writing a long time after um, the the death of Jesus anyway, at least 40 years, um, possibly 60, 70 years later. Um, I doubt they I doubt they know very much about the actual trial itself anyway. Um, someone like Pilate wouldn't have spent much time thinking about Jesus. I mean, Jesus is a, a provincial. He's a really, on, on the social scale, he's very, very low. Um, he's not a Roman citizen. If you're a Roman citizen, then there's a whole kind of legal um, uh, machinery that sort of comes into bearing. But if you're a provincial, you're sort of under the law. And um, I mean, it's hard for us to imagine just how cheaply the Roman state regarded most lives, particularly lives of people like Jesus. Um, Pilate would have snuffed him out in a second if he thought that he was causing trouble. You know, he he may hardly have needed to see him at all. Just just heard what he was up to and and sent him to the cross. So I, I'm cur- we're curious a little bit about uh, Judas. So other than what's in the New Testament, what do we know about Judas the disciple? Nothing at all. <laughs> that's I mean I think I think that's actually why Judas is so fascinating. We know absolutely nothing, and I mean and 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 just that very fact has meant that for two thousand years people have speculated. So um, there's all kinds of stories about him. Did he do it for the money? Um, was he possessed by Satan? Was he hoping that Jesus was going to be a sort of political messiah in some way? Did he get disillusioned? Um, did did the chief priests get to him somehow? There's a, there's a suggestion that his name, Iscariot, means man from Keriot, and uh, Keriot may have been in the south rather than in Galilee, in which case he was perhaps a bit of a loner, not one of the 12, exactly, you know, not one of the guys. Maybe the chief priest somehow could get to his family. Um, or uh, at the opposite end of, of the scale, maybe Jesus, um, maybe he was working with Jesus. Maybe Jesus sort of put him up to it because, um, of course, Jesus knows that he's got to die. That's part of the plan. Um, and in a way, if 
Judas hadn't done what he did, um, you know, you've got to get some way of getting Jesus to the cross. So people have speculated wildly on on Judas, but in the end, we know absolutely nothing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fascinated by that thought that he was uh, a bit of, uh, he, he didn't really, wasn't part of the crew as much as he wanted to be. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of like that one too. I mean, it's it's very flimsy because we actually, we don't know where Judas came from at all. But um, I mean, it, it would be, it, it's kind of conceivable that um, if the chief priests wanted to get to, to one of Jesus's disciples, they would look for the one who was perhaps a little bit on the outskirts, the one who didn't quite get in with the other guys. And if if they had some kind of hold over him, perhaps they could um, use that as leverage. But again, this is entirely in the in the realm of hypothesis and imagination. I mean, we just have nothing to back that up. Gosh, I want more. I want more on him. <laughs> I know. Well, that's it. I think everyone wants more on, on Judas. So, so we all keep on kind of going, adding extra layers to his story. So... I've read that it's hard to know exactly um, how his last days went down because, uh, again, it was uh, the the New Testament was written to appeal to the Romans in an attempt to convert them, and uh, and therefore making the Jews the scapegoat uh, scapegoat in the killing of Jesus. Do you think this is true? Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, I think that's exactly the the problem. Um, th- the the Gospels are written quite a long time after the events that they're describing. And at the time, that um, they're, they're writing at a time when most of the new converts to Christianity are coming from the, the, the Roman world. And Romans hear the story about Jesus and, you know, the teaching, and they say, yeah, I like that, sounds good. And then they hear, oh, by the way, he was put to death by a Roman and he was crucified. And that's not what they want to hear. You know, I mean, that's that's just terrible. How can you believe in somebody who was put to death as a rebel against the Roman state? Um, and so the way that the gospel writers deal with that is that they say, yes, OK, he was executed. He was crucified. But Pilate didn't want to do it. Pilate was pushed into it by the Jewish authorities. And it just so happens that um, at the same time that the Christian message was appealing to Romans, they were also burning a lot of their bridges with uh, Jews because the, 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 the um, sort of parting of the ways between the two religions, between um, Judaism and Christianity, was going on at about this time. Jews were expelling Christians from synagogues, and it became clear that they were two different things. So it suited the, um, the gospel writers' purposes to to make Pilate into the good guy who didn't want to, to kill Jesus, and at the same time to say, oh, yeah, well, it was the Jews, actually, who, um, who pushed him into it because, because they, they, there was no love lost between them and the Jewish authorities. And the problem is, you know, that's all well and good at the end of the first century when Christianity is a very small minority. But when those texts are, are heard centuries later in very different contexts, they then kind of perpetuate that idea that it was the Jewish authorities who pushed Pilate into doing something that he didn't want to do. But I'm sure there's there's no historical value to that. Yeah, context is everything, isn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. And and that's what that that's the real problem when people read the the gospels. And on, on one level of course they do have a timeless message, but they're also human creations written in very specific historical contexts and and if you don't pay attention to that, then then you can actually go really far wrong. So, finally Dr. Bond, in your opinion, and I know this is going to be a tough thing to answer, but who do you think is to blame for the je- for the death of Jesus Christ? Oh, well, can I say God? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on one, it depends. <laughs> I guess that the historical answer is, is, well, I guess Pilate, but I mean, clearly Jesus was going to Jerusalem courting death. Um, he, according to the Gospels, again, he knew exactly what was going to happen when he went to Jerusalem. And I think there's good reasons to suppose that he did. You know, you don't take a following to Jerusalem at Passover time and expect to get away with it. Um, so Pilate, so Jesus himself was sort of courting his own death. I think Pilate sent him to the cross. But um, you could take a completely different view and uh, put it all in a more theological uh, reading and say, well, actually, if it was God's will and that was what God wanted to do, then um, that's ultimately where the blame lies. Wow. Fascinating. We might have to change our verdict. We're going to have to think about this. Well, thank you so, so much, Dr. Bon. It's been uh, amazing talking to you and really learning about this, especially during uh, this uh, week where it has a lot of relevance. Yeah, that's right. But a very strange week for most of us, I think. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. 
Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at the alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot alarmist. So I don't know about you, but I felt like I wanted her to be my new best friend. I thought she was super cool. And, uh, you know, I'm not really a religious person, but for some reason I went to I went to Loyola Marymount University, which is a Jesuit school, and I was always so interested in my religion classes. It was like the history and the actual historical perspective on Christianity and, and a lot of different religions is so fascinating to me. Well, it's like the fact that uh, a book that is written has had such a massive effect on our culture and the fact that, you know, some of it is historically accurate and some of it isn't. It's almost like a historical fiction. Well, that's how I felt, too, uh, growing up Catholic was I felt like I was being sold something at every turn. Like, I felt like it was all like, like, I knew none of this could be real. I was like always curious why people were so intense about like making me believe in all this stuff. And so I, I now as an adult looking back on it from a historical perspective is so fascinating. Some of it obviously, like you're saying is real and some of it is more fictionalized or sort of more storytelling to get you engaged in the morals and ethics and stuff. And you you almost feel like a detective when you're trying to sort out the what's real and what's not and trying to piece together from, I mean, you must feel like this a lot, Rebecca, when you're doing your research, you're getting your little bits of information from people, different people's perspectives, and you're kind of trying to figure out what really happened. I guess that's history. That is. That's all. That's all it is. <laughs> and I thought that what she said about... Um, <laughs> <laughs> what she said about uh, Pontius Pilate, like who he really was being somewhere in between. So it's like you can't believe all the really awesome things you hear and you can't believe all the terrible, terrible things you hear because the the worse it is on the spectrum, like the more the people who are saying those things have to gain or lose. So mm-hmm. it, they're not as valuable uh you know, sources when it comes to like historical figures, especially in the Bible. So, uh, and it's just, just to, to, just to sort of add a little, uh, uh, whatever, I don't know what you would call this color to this particular historical event. The, the thing is the truth about this particular historical event is actually doctrine now. Like that's not the case in most any other, uh, historical events i guess with the exception of maybe a creating of of constitutions of different countries and stuff i guess yeah. those historical events become doctrine but this becomes doctrine principles and things people believe in so it's just it's fascinating thinking about it from historical perspective spiritual perspective and and hearing and hearing uh the guest uh dr uh dr bond say ultimately could take the position that it's god is to blame for the death of christ because he is all all powerful and this was his plan (laughs) and 
I have to say, hearing her say that made me think we let God off the hook a little too early, I think. Well, don't we always? <laughs> <laughs> did, did her conversation make you rethink the verdict at all, Rebecca? I mean, I think ultimately she agreed that uh, Pilate was really the one who ordered his execution. And had he not, um, he wouldn't have been crucified. So I do think that Pilate holds a lot of, of, of weight. But I think that God could have gotten the big slap instead of Judas. Right. That's where I was going to go, too. I think Judas getting the slap is the thing I most... Uh, rethought because she went on to tell us basically we don't know anything about judas so we made up all this stuff basically from a historical perspective she's like yeah we don't know about anything about judas that might be why we came up with him being like this duplicitous figure and the idea that he might have been just like on the outskirts of the crew just like not as cool as the other bunch and that's yeah. what you know that's why he was vulnerable to uh you know the the bribes but again that's what she was saying was total speculation it is total speculation yeah but but the kind of you know when we step into doing this episode we're accepting this sort of biblical idea of the crucifixion and what went on in a way um because otherwise there would just be the whole story is all laid out for us in the bible and we have uh impressions of it that we can't probably inherent biases from our upbringing and our education about what happened that would be difficult for us to shake. And so that's why I do think if we're going to blame Judas, accepting Judas as we think of him from the scriptures, then we can't let God off the hook because who's sort of laying out Judas's actions in front of him? It's God, right? I think you're right. I think I think we need to get a little warm towel and put it on Judas's cheek and ask for forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, God, I'm so sorry. I can't imagine just like going up to God and slapping him. But in this <laughs> particular situation, I think it might be well-deserved. I, I don't know. I mean, look, I think if we accept that, if we accept that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, the death of Christ would as, is actually a good thing. If, if we accept also that God, mm-hmm. the God we're That's talking true. about, is a good God, right? So in that case, I don't think he deserves a slap for <laughs> car- carrying out a plan that is ultimately good and true and like... To save our to souls. To save our souls. Like, right. I mean, uh, either we either we approach it from, I think, a just like history perspective of like the actual events, and in which case I still think we got it right in terms of pilot, but, um, or we or we go from a total uh, determinist like God perspective and then we blame God and we put him in jail because he's just carrying out his... His great, his or her great plan. Imagine God in jail. <laughs> I, you know, I imagine. I've always thought of God as a little kid, and even today, when I think of God, I think of the the genie from Aladdin. Really? <laughs> I think of God as a genie, and in my mind, Jesus is Peter Pan. <laughs> what? Why are they all Disney that's, characters? I don't know. That's just how I've always thought of it. When I would go to church as a little kid, I would imagine they'd say, Jesus is here right now. You know, he's here with us. And I would just imagine Peter Pan on the rafters, like hopping sure. around and flying around yeah, the church. Yeah, I guess that Aww. makes sense. That's so cool. Now I wish, <laughs> I, wish I had known that when I was a kid, because it would have made church more fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I think this might be a situation, you guys, where we have to put it out to the alarmy. Oh, my God. That's going to be dangerous, That's- Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be dangerous because the alarmy isn't just the alarmy, you know. There are also like people in the world with beliefs. I know, but this is why I think we need to say we're rethinking the big slap. Who do you think should have gotten it, Judas or God? <laughs> well, we've ne- yeah. I mean, look, you're <laughs> you're right. We've never had the big slap. Had our uh, alarmy really weigh in on the big slap before? So maybe this is the time. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I I think let's just, let's think about it. Let's not do anything rash because Judas, even though we're feeling bad for Judas and we know nothing about him historically, he was kind of a little weasel in the Bible. So So maybe I take back that warm cloth. Well, I, I'm holding we, a warm cloth in my warm. hand. Do I? <laughs> okay. No, this is what we do with the cloth. We he still got the slap, but we're gonna wash his feet. Can I? Can I make a pitch? Can I make a pitch to also? Okay, so who gets the big slap? Judas, God. But I also want to throw another one in there, which is Jesus Himself, mm. because that is what I think, she said. I do think that she what she said was interesting, especially about Jesus uh, entering into uh, Jerusalem on the on the big animal. What was he riding? A donkey. A donkey. Yeah. And like everyone else, it was, because it, we all know that guy who pulls up to Paramount Studios in the walk-on side, but he's got his car and he's like, what do you mean yeah. I can't park here? Like, that's kind of what I pictured. Like, you're supposed to walk in, like just walk in like everybody else. So he came in and he kind of knew he was going to have a target on his back and he kind of yeah, and he fed was flipping, into that. He was flipping tables, right? Yeah. Exactly. Flipping tables. Exactly. <laughs> he was. Yeah, he was acting like a real housewife. the real housewives of the real house preachers of jerusalem i would have loved to see that reality show good oh i I think really the only thing to do is is do a poll okay set it out to the alarmy you guys follow us on instagram and facebook to participate or leave a voicemail for crying out loud yes (laughs) and again you can also do a voice memo that you uh email to us now, it's important that you go on your phone right now or on your computer, wherever you might be, and that you rate, review, and subscribe. Now, it, yes. it, it's more important than ever. We know that you're home, hopefully, and, and being safe, or maybe you are one of the uh, uh, essential workers out there and you're listening to us while you work. That would be an honor. Thank you so much for your service. But... It's important that we get these reviews and and ratings because somehow that's what puts us up on the charts and, and or so I've been told by Amanda every every day she texts me. She says, "Yeah, Rebecca, we need to get I more." I said I'm going to can- the show's going to get canceled if we don't Exactly. To, let's say we're going to get to 800 reviews by next episode. We're at 765 right now. And let's see if we can all band together, the Alarmy, we're calling on you, to get us to 800 reviews. And um, if we get there, I don't know, maybe maybe there'll be some sort of treat. I don't know what we'll give you, but <laughs> there'll be something good. It will be good. Um, that would be amazing. So, yeah, let's do that. And, and again, feel free to call us and leave us your thoughts. We're going to put out a poll after this episode airs, uh, and we'll leave it on for a few days. 
Um, and then we'll see what you guys think about who should actually get the big slap for the death of Jesus Christ. Um, and I have a review I want to read right now. So it says, Rebecca, you're a comedy. And then it cuts out because the title was too long. But they give us five stars. And this comes in from M. Denev. Um, love the podcast. Me and Kanta K. Aya representation Latin X and El Mundo de podcast. <laughs> wow. Thank you. She loves. She loves that there's uh, Latinx representation in the world of podcasting. (laughs) And Amanda, I must say, your Spanish was not bad. (laughs) Well, I'm, you know, Southern California, born and raised. (laughs) Well, thank you for your review. And feel free to leave us reviews in Spanish. I can read them. I can understand them. In fact, uh, I'll read them out loud. So chime in by emailing us at the at thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram at thealarmistpodcast or on Twitter at alarmistthe. So this has been, this has been really uh, insightful um, speaking to Dr. Helen Bond. Please uh, make sure to check out her book. She's got an awesome book, book called The Historical Jesus, uh, A Guide for the Perplexed. And uh, you can buy it on Amazon or wherever you buy books. It's it's widely distributed. So thank you, Dr. Helen Bond, for talking to us. And uh, thanks, Amanda and Chris, for, you know, going on this journey with me. Oh. Yeah. You're welcome. Of course. It's the highlight of my weeks. <laughs> my weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm. Same. Tune in next week. We're going to be talking about the death of Marilyn Monroe. Goodbye, Norma Jean. Though I never knew you, fade out on this, Amanda. Knew you at all. I had the grace to hold yourself while those around you crawled. Or just play the real one, Amanda. You crawled out of the woodworks and it whispered into your brain. It said you are a dead man. Is this your karaoke tune? (laughs) No. It should be. You sound good. And it seems to me you lived your life like a candle. Erios. Powered by ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.